If you are here for the first time, this is The Read and Rant. And what we're here to do is we're just here to spend some time in the Word. And in this conversation, what we want to do is, is we want to read the Word from a position of meditation where we're simply asking the question, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? And then another question, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And so as we read the word today, I want us to invest our time into what the word says and how God can reveal himself through his word. And so that's what we're here to do. So let's do that. Let's spend some time in prayer asking for God's wisdom as we read his word. Father, I ask even as we come here today to engage in your word, Father, I pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would give us grace. I pray that you would give us insight, give us wisdom. Lord, show us your will, Lord, that we may know you. Show us your heart, Lord God, that we may be drawn closer to you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal your love, your grace, and your mercy towards us. And we thank you for that. We thank you already for what you're going to do in this moment. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read. Isaiah 57 says this, The righteous perishes, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers. that The righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But come here, you sons of the sorceress, you offspring of the adulterer and the harlot whom you ridicule against whom you have sorry against whom do you make a wide mouth and stick out your tongue are you not the children of transgression offspring of falsehood inflaming yourselves with the gods under every green tree slaying the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rocks among the smooth stones of the stream is your portion. They, they are your lot. Even to them, you have poured a drink offering. You have offered a grain offering. Should I receive comfort in these? On a lofty and high mountain, you have set your bed. Even there you went up to offer sacrifice. Also behind the doors and their posts, you have set up your remembrance. You have uncovered yourself to those other than me. You have gone up to them. You have enlarged your bed and made a covenant with them. You have loved their bed where you saw their nudity. You went to the king with anointment and increased your perfumes. You sent your messengers far off and even descended to Sheol. You are wearied in in the length of your way, yet you did not say there is no hope. You have found the life of your hand. Therefore, you were not grieved. And of whom have you been afraid or feared? that you have lied and not remembered me, nor taken it to heart? Is it not because you have held my peace from old that you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your works, for they will not profit you when you cry out. Let your collection of idols deliver you, but the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them, but he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land. And shall inherit my holy mountain. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up. Prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one 
who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high place and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry for the spirit would fall before, would sorry, would fail before me and the souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetousness. I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry and he went on backsliding all the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when I cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. Isaiah 58, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me of the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fists of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush? and to spread out sackcloth and ashes, would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then let your light, sh sorry, then your light shall break forth in the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those who are among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the, call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. 
and will cause and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father the mouth of the Lord has spoken Isaiah 59 Behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity your lips have spoken lies your tongues has muttered perversity no one calls for justice nor does any plead for truth they trust in empty words and speak lies they conceive evil and bring forth iniquity they hatch vipers eggs and weave the spider's web he who eats of their eggs dies and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out their webs will become garments nor will, sorry their webs will not become garments nor will they cover themselves with their works their works are the works of iniquity and the acts of violence is in their hands their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity wasting and destruction are in their plans the way of peace they have not known and there is no justice in their ways they have made themselves crooked paths whoever takes so whoever takes that way shall not know peace therefore justice is far from us nor does righteousness overtake us we look for light but there is darkness for brightness but we walk in blackness we grope for the wall like the blind and we grope as if we had no eyes we stumble at noonday as at twilight we are as dead men in desolate places we all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves we look for justice and but there is none for salvation but it is far from us for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us for our transgressions are with us as for our iniquities we know them in transgressing and lying against the lord and departing from our god speaking oppression and revolt conceiving and utter uttering from the heart words of falsehood justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter so truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey then the lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his righteousness and his own righteousness it sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation in his head he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and a clad of zeal as a cloak according to their deeds accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies the coastlands he will fully repay so shall they fear the name of the lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the lord will lift up a standard against him the redeemer will come to zion and to those who turn from transgression in jacob says the lord as for me says the lord this is my covenant with them 
my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forevermore. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, the deep darkness, the people. Sorry, in deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come up from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come over you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, and the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those of Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. They shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Nabaoth shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are, they, are these who fly like a cloud, are like doves to their own roosts? Surely the coastlands shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and gold with them, the name of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have mercy on you. Therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall be shut day or night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For the nations and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations will be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the pine, and the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. All the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you, and all those who despise you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk of and milk the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I'll bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. And instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, nor wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall no longer be your light by day. Nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light 
and your God, your glory. The sun shall no longer go down, nor shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Also, your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. And we'll stop at Isaiah 61. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to, to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall rise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many nations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants will be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyfully in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. The word of God. Whew. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Um, the exercise I want to commit to as I'm reading this, because it is a beautiful reminder. Reading this is a beautiful reminder, even in the midst of what we're going through in culture and society, even in the midst of all the divisiveness, the wars, COVID-19, even in the midst of unrest, even in the midst of all the things that we see transpiring in our governments, our institutions, even in the midst of seeing what the political powers are doing, 
even in the midst of all of that, through failed diplomacy, through failed negotiation, through divisive politics, through all of that, even in the midst of all of that, we can find encouragement. Isaiah is really pointing to something here. And if you're here, you would, if, if, if you've read, this was maybe, I don't know, over a year ago, closer to two years now, when we started the reading rant, when we started the reading rant, we read through the New Testament before we read through the Old Testament and we read through the Gospels. This particular reading, as we stop at Isaiah 61, should be a reminder to some of you. You may have read this before. You may have seen this before. Somebody actually read this. Somebody read this and made a declaration about this particular text. And making a declaration about this particular text found himself getting kicked out of his own hometown. Jesus. Jesus actually walked into a synagogue, opened up the book, and read this particular portion of scripture. The spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. He read this and he said, this day it has been accomplished. It has been fulfilled. Those words that he proclaimed caused such a stir that the people dragged him out of the synagogue and almost threw him over a cliff. Jesus could have died that day. <laughs> I'm sure the disciples were thinking it. Jesus, that could have been it. That could have been the end of him that day. Why did the people respond this way to Jesus when he read this and said that it was fulfilled? Why did they respond that way? And I, and I think this is why this is so great. I mean, I think this is why this exercise of reading is, is it's one of the best things you can do. You know, I've always said this. The, the reading rant is probably the best thing you can do. Just reading and just reflecting and reading. And reading through the whole Bible is one of the best things you can do. It, it is because everything starts coming together. You start piecing all of it together. And maybe if you have seen what we've been journeying through in our time in reading, you know what the history of the children of Israel are. You know what the history of the Hebrew people, you know the history because we've seen the beginning of the history of the Hebrew people all the way now through, all the way through, uh, you know, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, all through Ezra, all through Nehemiah, all through Esther, all through, well, maybe not Job because Job came much sooner. Job is, is, uh, likely to be the oldest book in the Bible. But aside from that, you read all the way up to Job and you've seen a picture of the story of the children of Israel. These people who were chosen by God, chosen by God 
to bring righteousness and justice, chosen by God to see the restoration of humanity, chosen by God to see justice established, to see righteousness established, to be the ministers of justice and righteousness, became what they were supposed to change. And in becoming what they were supposed to change, they also lost the covering and in doing so found themselves in captivity, found themselves perpetually in captivity. They came to a land, they were pulled out of the land, and now they find themselves under the uh, political power and the weight of these Gentile nations. These people have lost their rights. They've lost, they've lost everything. They don't even have their land. They have nothing to their name. But Isaiah, what he does is, is Isaiah brings them, brings us another viewpoint, another vantage point, another angle, another perspective, because Isaiah was a prophet in that time when Israel was precipitously falling into decline. Remember, Isaiah is the one who spoke to Hezekiah when we read it in in in, in Second Kings and in in Second Chronicles. So we, we we've seen that. We've seen the the interaction between Isaiah and and Hezekiah. Isaiah existed in that period, and Isaiah is writing this to help the people understand this stuff is not happening to you by accident. God has a calling on your life, and because God has a calling on your life, things aren't going to turn out the same way. This is the blessing, and I'll say this one time, and I hope I I hope you get it the first time that I say it. This is the blessing of being chosen by God is God isn't going to let things go by. When we're distant from him in our purpose, when we're distant from him in what God is calling us to do, when we're distant from God, God has a way of reorienting us back to him. God has a way of realigning us back to him. And so this is the blessing of it because if God is bringing me back to him, even in the midst of the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations, God through all of that is getting glory through it, but he's realigning me in it as well because God's glory comes with my restoration in my relationship with him. God isn't just punishing you just to punish you. (laughs) As a matter of fact, God doesn't punish you by his grace. This is not punishment. This is about realignment. And I think it's interesting because many of us, we sometimes look at things that happen in our lives and we think that it's because God is punishing us. Like, oh my goodness, I made a mistake. And because of that mistake, I'm suffering this. It must be God is punishing me. No, there's a rule to this. There's an order to this. There's a law to this. There are decisions that you make that have consequences, but here's the blessing of it is that the consequences draw us closer to God. It's a realignment. It may be painful in a season, but God is realigning us. God isn't going to leave you where you are. He's not going to leave you in the midst of your brokenness and pain. God isn't going to leave you, you know, in a place where you've got no hope. Even in the midst of pain, you're not hopeless. Because God is working out his glory and his justice. God doesn't punish you. God realigns you. He reorients you. He refines you. He does all that because in the end, 
when you have gone through it all, when life has brought its trials and tribulations, when life has challenged you in ways, brought suffering and pain, when you get on the other side of that, he says you will come out as gold. He is refining you that he may see his glory through you. I think many of us need to understand that because Israel has made some poor decisions and in making some poor decisions have faced the same consequences that all the other nations have made because Israel's running on a set of rules and a set of laws that are not God's rules and are not God's laws. And now because Israel finds himself here in this place, Israel goes back to Isaiah and there, and Israel reads Isaiah over and over and over and over again. You see, Isaiah was read over and over again because Isaiah helped them understand why they're here. But Isaiah gave them hope about what's to come. They would read Isaiah over and over again. Israel was under Roman, Roman rule, under the Roman Empire, no enfranchisement. And yet in, in the end, Israel continued to read this over and over again. We have to read this from the perspective of the Hebrews and the Hebrew people. You can read that over and over again because we have to understand this wasn't about us. This is about them. And because it was about them, we have to look at it from their perspective, their vantage point, their view. They're reading this and what they anticipate is someone who's going to come and make all this right. None of this is right, but someone's going to come to make all this right. I'll say this real quick. As long as humanity progresses, as long as humanity moves forward, we should never lose hope in humanity. People who say, I've lost hope in humanity. They just don't understand how God sees humanity. People who've lost hope in people don't know what God sees in people. And while we may have lost, while many of us may have lost hope in humanity, God's got a plan for humanity. God's got a plan for people. God's got a plan for each and every person. God's got a plan for people collectively and individually. God hasn't given up on humanity and God has put his promise on humanity. And if God has put his promise on humanity, we cannot give up on humanity or lose hope in humanity. Anybody who's lost hope in humanity doesn't know what God sees and doesn't know the promise of God and doesn't know the plan of God because God ain't done with humanity. God is not done with you. He's not done with me. If he begins it, he will complete it. God is not done. These people see where they are, but they know that God isn't done and that God is doing a work and they're anticipating what God's about to do. This is the hope of Israel. Israel is hopeful. Imagine now Israel being, you know, Israel going through centuries, from decades to centuries with very little rights, 
seen as people who are of no significance. Imagine what that looks like for you to go from generation to generation to generation in your own land, but under someone else's rule, someone else's government. Imagine being people who have been made powerless, disenfranchised, and now your only hope is in these words. Your only hope is in the one that is to come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's talking to them. To proclaim liberty to the captives. He's talking to them. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He's talking to them. Let me sit on this for one minute because this is so critically important. Jesus said, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus uttered these words. Jesus entered and dwelled. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Jesus was who Israel was waiting for. And yet Israel was so broken. Israel was in pain for so long. Israel was so jaded that Israel rejected the one who came for them. I have one question for you today. And this is for a lot of us who are here. There's folks in here right now who are watching this. Have you been so hurt, so jaded, so frustrated that you've become hopeless? Have you become so jaded that even when Jesus shows up, you're quick to respond in rejection? Have you become so jaded that even when Jesus utters these words and says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, that's me. He sent me to preach good tidings to the poor, that, that's, that's me. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, that, that's me. He, there's some people who know exactly what this looks like, exactly what this is, and you're saying to yourself, that, that's, that's me. That's, that's, he's talking to me. And yet he was talking to them. And even though he was talking to them, they've been poor for so long, brokenhearted for so long, captives for so long, bound for so long, that when Jesus gave something that would set them free, They said, run this man off a cliff. Notice that up to this point, as we're reading it, this is a matter of justice. This is a matter of God bringing justice. This is a matter of God making things right. This is a matter of all the things we see broken in the world. All we see, all the things we see that isn't right in the world, that, that God is saying, hey, I've got a new thing that I'm doing. I, I want to bring restoration to this.
And yet God wants to bring restoration to it, but he wants to bring restoration to his people who will bring restoration to it. And he says to them, the Gentiles, because when I finally make this good, when I finally make this right, look what he says in Isaiah 60 verse one, when I finally make this right, you won't need light, you will be light. When I finally make this right, you won't need the sun because you will have the sun. You won't need the moon to shine over you because you'll have light already in you. You won't need something on the outside to help bring light for you on the inside because you've got something on the inside that's going to illuminate to the outside family. When you experience the fullness of Christ, man, oh man, you don't need anything on the outside to give you peace on the inside. There are so many of us who right now we find ourselves in the midst of darkness. We find ourselves in the midst of depression and we're looking for something on the outside to help bring light to us, not realizing that Jesus is our light and he brings it from the inside. And when we receive him, we become light, bringing light everywhere we are. If we're in darkness, turn on the switch. It's trust in Jesus. And Jesus is saying to them, the Gentiles shall come to your light, meaning you're not only going to give yourself light, not only are you going to become light for yourself, but you're going to become light for everybody else around you. You're going to bring life to everybody else around you. You're going to bring hope and peace and joy to everybody else around you. You're going to, you're going to bring restoration to everybody else around you. People are going to be, they're going to gravitate to you because they see light in you. And he says in verse three, the Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. This is what would happen. This is what Jesus was bringing. He was bringing something that's bigger than them, greater than them, that gives them eternal joy, eternal peace, not politics, not, not religion, not any of that, but Jesus. And when Jesus came to offer that to them, they rejected him. So even in this chat right now, there are people who, like I told you, there's a militant anti-Christian sentiment. There are people who come and they'll come angry, militant. The reality is that a lot of them, they have good reason to feel the way they feel because they've gone a long time either broken by what our lives, because religion has a lot of lies, broken by the things that happened in church, broken by the things that had transpired in their lives that has somehow been connected to whatever it is you call church or whatever it is you call Jesus. They're angry. They're hurt. And so it's no surprise 
that when you offer Jesus, they do just as Israel did. Rather than hearing what Jesus has to offer, they're quick to throw him over the cliff. When at the end of the day, what we all want is to be made whole. What we all want is to be restored. What we all want is to be a light. And it's when we receive that and we get to know what Jesus really is, who Jesus really is. We get to know what it means to be a follower of Christ, not not a member of a church, not, no, not any of that, like a follower of Jesus. We know what that actually means and that how that's actually lived out and how that brings restoration to not only people in our cities and our communities, but all around the world and how we begin to see how it's in my work that Jesus is moving and, and it's in him that I live and move and have my being. It's in all of that when we begin to see that. That's when we, that, that, that when we see the purity of that, Wholeness, restoration, reconciliation. When we see justice, righteousness, like when we actually see it, not politicize about it, not shame people or guilt people into it, not any of that, but when we actually see it. Look what it says that happens to them. He says in verse six, but you shall be named priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat riches of the Gentiles and in their glory, you shall boast. He wants to make you a priest. Do you know what a priest is? A priest is simply someone who mediates for God. That's it. It's a mediator. Someone who steps in as a representative. That's what a priest is, is a representative of God. <laughs> We're the ones who make priests, the guys who wear the collars and all that. But it's not that, actually. That's actually unbiblical. We're going to do a Bible study tonight about that. So join us on Patreon for that. We're going to do a Bible study tonight on that. But, but that's not what a priest is. The priest is the people. We are the priesthood. We are actually, the each and every one of us, we are priests, representatives of God who show the world what God is like. It's not about religion. It's not about institution. It's about Christ. So who are you today? Are you the ones who ran Jesus off a cliff? Or are you the ones that say, let me follow this guy some more and see more about what this guy has to say. You don't have to ever come back to this life. You don't have to ever, ever come back to this life. You don't have to ever attend this life again. Okay? You don't have to ever attend it. All right? Go find him for yourself. It will change your life. Every person who is angry and upset, how about you actually don't take anybody's word for it. Actually ask him. Ask him. And you'll find healing for your soul. You'll find wholeness. The wholeness that you're looking for. You'll find purpose and meaning to what God is already calling you to do. Love y'all fam. Father, I ask even as we come before you today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would do work in us. 
Lord, do a work in each and every one of us. Father, there are those of us right now who are still wrestling with it, still dealing with it, still debating, wondering what's going to happen. Who is this? What is this all about? Does this even mean anything? Does it even matter? Is any of this real? Lord, we're not here to convince anybody of anything. We're just here to invite. We let you do the convicting. <laughs> we'll let you do the convincing. But Lord, I just ask that you would change our minds about whatever it is that we grew up on, whatever it is that we saw. Father, I just pray that your love would be made evident, that your grace would be made evident. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.